Hi everyone, welcome to the Software Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Anderson, and I've got a really exciting customer to chat to today because from a unique perspective, it's not often that we get government customers on our podcast, not because they don't want to, but often that they're very restricted and it's difficult for them to be able to do this. So we're very fortunate to have Kaylee Smith from the state of Minnesota on the podcast. And Kaylee, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you today? I am very well, thank you. Now, we've spoken a couple of times before at both Perform and the Go event, and one of the topics that we focused on more than anything was uh, obviously the pandemic and what that meant for you and your role. Now, why don't you give us a little bit of background as to what you do at State of Minnesota, and that'll help us paint a picture for uh, the challenges that you had um, in the previous year. So I'm an application architect. Um, I support the unemployment insurance application. Um, So, you know, we we basically make sure that when people are from Minnesota who have worked in Minnesota become unemployed, that they are able to apply and, uh, you know, get get some assistance to help them get by till they can find a new job. Um, And so I'm I'm responsible for the the health and performance of our application and uh, just to make sure and that we're looking at the future like how do we um, take our application and uh, continue to adjust to today's technology needs and people's needs and uh, you know make move us along along that path. Yeah I've been on a bit of a journey talking to people and every time I talk to them I uncover another person that has one of the most important jobs in the world. And your story in particular is obviously critical. As soon as everyone listened and just heard that, they went, you're processing unemployment benefits for people that uh, need money to put food on the table. It's a fairly important application. It's different to the, we need to sell more t-shirts and um, we need to sell more shoes. This one is a genuine human interest story. It must make you feel good about what you do. And also at times it could be probably personally quite difficult, I would imagine. I, well, yes. Um, it's why I'm willing to, you know, put every, you know, work all the hours we work, um, you know, to put in the effort we need to, because it, it really does, it helps people. It helps people I know it. You know, we all have friends and family who have been unemployed during this pandemic. Um, and so I know that when I'm making this application run smoothly or uh, getting a new new set of code into the, the application so that, that the new um, benefits that the federal government has, you know, decided to give people, um, it, we make it happen. And, and, and because it's people that we know, um, you, want, you want that to happen. You want to do a good job. You want the application to run and, and run well. I've got a stat here. said, during the week of March 15 which is when the pandemic hit. I remember I was in Boston at the time. Um, so that probably wasn't even the peak, I would say. It was very early on. But just just to give everyone an understanding of the volumes we're talking about here, you processed 112,000 applications. And for the same week prior, it was 2,300. We're talking 110,000 more applications for a single week. That is ridiculous yeah yeah it it basically overnight suddenly our app servers um were like getting just flooded with with requests and 
you know, our web servers and then behind that, the app servers. And we had to respond right away. Like we had to know what sort of configuration changes to make, you know, do we need to add more hardware? Do we need to add more app servers themselves? And we needed to know where the problems were. Uh, so it, it was like overnight, uh, we needed to respond. It, it, was, it was quite a challenge and uh, we uh, didn't get a lot of sleep that week. I was going to say it would have been very difficult for you because these numbers are unprecedented. This isn't like a Cyber Monday that you can prepare for. This is all hands on deck. We talk at Dynatrace about no more war rooms, but it's inevitable. You're going to have war rooms. You're going to have scenarios where you're making decisions to keep the applications running. Most of the government departments we saw got slammed and there was not a lot they could do about it. They were literally scrambling to keep things going. How did you fare as part of this, uh, as part of this week? You know, we actually did really, really well. And, you know, I, I do credit, uh, I credit Dynatrace for helping us. Um, and the reason I say that is because, so, you know, you've got your middleware folks and we're, we're a very small team. You know, mm -hmm. we've got three middleware folks. We've got two architects, seven developers. Um, we've got part-time database administrators, part-time, part you know, mainframe and, and hardware folks that help us out and, you know, security folks. Um, but we're pretty small. And so we had to all work together at the same time and having, having the dashboards in Dynatrace, you know, we could now monitor like how many threads are running on the application servers is the garbage collection suspension, like going through the roof, you know, it helped us identify, Hey, we are having problems with these particular servers. And then we could, we could actually do something about it. Um, well, I guess the first step really was going, we needed more app servers. So it really helped us realize right away, hey, we, we got to spin up more app servers so we can handle this load. Mm -hmm. And then once you had that happening, then you needed to identify servers that were having problems before they adversely impacted uh, the, the end users, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it, it was really, really beneficial to be able to see where the problems were quickly and have the whole team looking at the same dashboard and then we could, and then we could like bounce ideas off each other. Like, well, do you think it's this? Do you think it's that? Mm -hmm. it, it was really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So for people that don't understand, because most of the average population and forget the people that are filling in the application, I'm talking like the general public that go onto a website are filling in some kind of application form. They don't understand that behind the scenes, there's a team of people that are striving to keep that application alive to, to spin up and increase volumes as, as they need to. And hearing you go into the finer details of some of the things that you have to do in your job, it's a really challenging thing to do. And I guess that's, and I'm, you know, naturally, I'm obviously glad that you mentioned Dynatrace, but that's, that's like core to what we do, which is give the decisions back to the teams, however big they are, to make the right decisions at the right time in real time to be able to go, we have to do this, we have to do this, we have to do this. And, and, um, and I think hopefully that uh, helps you in your job and also feels you, makes you feel a little bit more confident about what it is that you do. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, you know there, were, there were times when we were like, okay, so we need to kind of adjust the what, you know, the one of, we need to adjust the configuration settings, right? And, you know, you're short on time because, you know, in the volume, like you said, we had 112,000 that first week. Well, the volume kept going up in the weeks after that. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't have a lot of time 
And it's not like you could go, you know, let's let's go to our 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 test environment. We, you don't have a you don't have three weeks to test something in your test environment. So the nice thing with Dynatrace is that we could we could make an adjustment, right, to a server or to some configurations, and and monitor the results. Mm-hmm. And you, is it helping or not? Um, and and it, it was just it helped us affirm what we were doing was the right decision. Cause we, we'd make a change. We're like, we really think this is the right change. And then Dynamics Trace would show us, yes, this is the right change. You know, do you feel um, pressure? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, because, you know, we're government and, you know, you know, people expect to get government services. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I want to make sure that happens. I want to do the best job I can. Um, I want, I want people to think well of us and, and, and I want them to be able to pay their bills. So, um, I, I do, I feel pressure and I'm responsible and, um, so heavy scrutiny, challenging budgets, small team, and, and not always the most resourced. Are, th- are these all genuinely real issues that you're dealing with on a day to day? Uh, y- yes. Um, you know, Yes, absolutely. And, and you're right, you know, media does scrutinize government. So, you know, we do want to put, we want to do our job and do it well. Um, you know, we are a little bit fortunate um, with our unemployment insurance uh, application. You know, we do have perhaps a little more funds than other government agencies, but overall mm-hmm. you, you're, you're dead on. Um, it's, it's, it's government, you have a budget, you have to follow it. So... So then you guys are smart and I'd like to almost use this podcast as an opportunity to tell people out there that, hey, there are people that sit underneath these applications that are working 50, 60 hours a week beyond the time that they normally would to deliver services for the the general public and particularly people that need it. But there's a lot of scrutiny over new technologies that, that people will bring in. I think I, well, I had a conversation with a lady, Trisha Wong, who's a global keynote speaker on AI and, um, and data. And she said over 73% of AI projects are unprofitable, which to me also means that they fail. And here we have uh, the state of Minnesota leveraging an AI to automate human-based manual tasks to be more productive. Is that a fair assumption as to what Dynatrace is doing for you? Yeah, yeah, more productive in terms, you know, we are, we are reducing um, the, uh, the errors, um, because Dynatrace helps us identify them, mm-hmm. helps us, helps us tell, you know, every time you have a, a, a deployment or, a, or, you know, a new release, um, you can, you can test is there an increase or a decrease in certain types of errors, whether it's JavaScript errors, Java errors, you know, whatever, whatever your application might produce. Um, you know, we can, t- we, we've been setting up um, analysis of our queries against our databases. You know, which ones are slow? Which ones are the slowest? Okay, let's correct them. Okay, let's test them. And Dynatrace tells us, yep, <laughs> these have improved or, or no, there's still something going on with this, with this particular query. We need mm-hmm. to look at it some more. Um, so yeah, like performance, um, and and the end user experience too. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's so much on, on the front end that we're working to improve as well. Have you ever tried quantifying the value of, uh, of leveraging an AI? 
you know, on, on a grand scale, maybe no, but I think we're going to get there because we're, we're right now working on, on, on producing dashboards and reports that are going to quantify um, how, you know, our, our error counts um, uh, and the performance, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to be able to start producing that so that we can see over time. And I, and mm -hmm. I think it will quantify mm -hmm. the use of this AI and, and the benefit it is providing us. And, and we'll continue to, because I have come really excited. Um, there's so much that we have, haven't even delved into yet um, that we can leverage with this tool. Um, I, uh, I was, I was telling my, my um, business counterpart the other day that I wish I could play with Dynatrace all day. I can't do that, but, but it's, there's a lot here, a lot it can offer. So. That's fantastic. And now, so one of the things that, um, and, and hopefully this was met, but when the stats came out previously, it said for most weeks, and this is your baseline, because you, you've obviously presumably got some SLAs that you need to achieve. And it said for, for the most parts, you met the federal timeline standards for the majority of your work. So I assume you kept the system as stable and as, uh, as, as performing as well as it could given the volumes. So is that, I mean, that's a remarkable achievement in itself. When I just said that there was over 100,000 applications happening in a week, more than you'd normally would have. So keeping stability of a system in crisis is a pretty remarkable achievement. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we gave 800,000 people unemployment benefits last year. Mm. Um, and that, that, that just blows anything we've ever done before. Any of the previous years that we tracked those numbers, this is the most we have ever distributed to people. Um, so it, 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 it's, it's significant. And we, we have, we have met the, the government requirements. We've, we've been one of the first, every time they, they're like, okay, we're going to give folks another $300. We're, we're one of the first states that are able to make the adjustments mm. um, and get those payments out to people. So, um, and, and we work very hard also with, uh, you know, our, our, our fraud detection. So, I mean, it's a big deal. It matters. Um, and we, we want to make sure the right people get, get the money. You know, it's the applications that we really do need to work perfectly are the ones that don't. They're, and that's life's biggest frustration. As someone who, who sort of works in performance monitoring as well, it's like, it, and these are examples in Australia perhaps where they make decisions that we're all required to go do something or there's a QR code scanning system that we got to do contact tracing and they don't performance test it properly and the thing doesn't work and then they don't have answers and they don't know why. I think you know why things aren't working and I think we have a new level of appreciation for for teams that are doing everything they can within their power with the tools they have at hand to make a difference and, and to your point, deliver things first. Um, now, we had a very quick chat before we came on. I really didn't give you any opportunity to prepare for this at all, which is very kind of me. But why don't you share with us like what's happening now? We still have COVID and related mm -hmm. work to do. And on top of that... Um, we, we have two large projects, um, and the first of which is we are, we're switching databases. And so, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into, uh, uh, you know, testing that, right? You know, you, you, you've got you've to take and uh, take all of the, the, the tables and, the, and the, the 
um, you know, all of the database related structure and transfer that to the new database. And you've got to transfer all the data itself, all the rows, you know, millions of rows of records. And then you've got to make sure that it's been configured and, uh, and tweaked and tested and, and all of the queries run the mm -hmm. same that they did on the previous database. Mm -hmm. So we are in the middle of, uh, we're getting close. We're going to be putting that in this summer. Um, and, but there's just so much work to do um, around that. And so that's just one of the projects. The other one is another large project where we are, we're basically, um, you know, on one hand, we're, we're totally redoing the front end of our application. We want to modernize it, make it easier for, for people to use, particularly uh, the mobile and tablet app, um, population of folks, because mm -hmm. that's what it uses, right? Yeah. And so they, they need an application that they can easily maneuver and apply for benefits or whatever they need to do. And then beyond that, there's, you know, like there's different parts of our application that need some love, right? You know, we, we need to modernize some of those things. And, uh, and so we've just got a, a dozen pro small, smaller projects and all together, uh, um, Big it's all happening right now. So. Yeah. And they're important jobs because a database for the people that don't understand it, the, the, again, this isn't my shopping history on on an e-commerce site, this is my employment benefit record of some sort. So I would imagine it's a very delicate operation and, and a lot of queries that you're moving. And my assumption would be you're doing this to modernize, improve agility, improve performance. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. And then you mentioned mobile as well. I mean, that's an obvious one. As someone that works in technology, if I went to go do my tax or unemployment or whatever, I would presumably go to a desktop because I know the back-end system and the performance, but your average person wouldn't. They would go mobile phone first and that in itself would present its own challenges for you, it sounds like, but you're addressing those as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because you don't, you don't want... <laughs> yeah, you don't want them to struggle when they're trying to... You know, they're unemployed. Yeah. They're already stressed out. You, you don't want them to struggle. You want it to be as easy as possible. Fantastic. I love the heartfelt... Uh, story to this now um i'm gonna put you on the spot here kaylee uh archaeologist you wanted to be an archaeologist what's an archaeologist doing working in technology aren't they the opposite oh you know actually you know i didn't plan that that career transition uh but um they're actually a lot more alike than you would think i mean in 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 archaeology uh you know you're you're uncovering bits of of evidence of how people lived thousands of years ago you know so like for example like there was one site i was on where you could see where the guy sat and was making the stone knives right because there was like this this half or three quarters circle of stone chips you know all all of the debitage that came from him making these stone tools hmm. and then we, we would find um buffalo bones and these are like the the ancient they're even bigger than the current day buffalo, th these particular species of buffalo. And you can see the cut marks where they cut the meat off of it. So you, you collect all this evidence um, and most of it is gone, right? Because it, it doesn't preserve, but you collect all the evidence you can and you try to deduce what happened here. Mm -hmm. You know, it, so you, there's, a lots of, there's lots of logic involved in archeology. span So I, it's problem solving in my, in my mind. And so then IT 
it's problem solving, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you might have um, a server misbehaving or code that isn't working as expected. And you've got to take the, the logs or the evidence and what you're looking at and figure out what's the source of the problem and what do I need to do to solve it? But does that mean that Davis is now taking the archaeological problem solving fun out of, uh, out of your day to day? Or do you still get to piece things together? I still get to piece things together. He's like just this excellent assistant archaeologist. Yeah. Ah, he's your assistant. I like um. So for those that don't know, Davis is the is the name of the Dynatrace AI engine, and uh, you believe it's male. I do. I do. I, is there a particular reason? You know, I don't know. Just it. You know, I was thinking I had a combination of like uh, of Indiana Jones in my head and a combination of Sherlock Holmes. And so when when you when I was thinking of Davis as my assistant, that's that's kind of how we ended up. That's what you pictured: a combination of Sherlock Holmes and uh, what was the other one again? God, it's Harrison Ford, wasn't it? Indiana Jones. Yes. Okay, I love that. I think that's so funny. So I'm going to give you a couple of fast four questions to uh to um for just a bit of fun. To, uh, to see how you answer. Um, there's no right or wrong answer to this, which is, which is good. You have three dinner guests that you're allowed to bring to your dinner party and they can be dead or alive. Who would you invite? Uh, the Dalai Lama. Um, let's see who else. Um, oh, you, it is hard when you're on the spot. It is. Um, uh, Winston Churchill and wow. yes, who else um oh i don't know no. um we'll go with uh sherlock holmes oh he wasn't a real person was he i don't know it has to be based on a true story surely well let's just say he was all right we'll go with we'll go with sherlock uh, holmes. that's a good they're interesting characters um we won't delve too much into them but i like them uh biggest inspiration can be a can be a thing can be a moment it can be a person you know i think for me it is some of the women that have really influenced me in my life like my some of my aunts and my mother um my grandmother um and some of the professional women that i've worked with um they have just been the kind of people that nothing stopped them you know when they set out to do something, um, they just went for it and they worked hard and, um, and they passed on their wisdom to others. And so I think, mm. I think that's probably those, those women in my life are the biggest influence. Very good. I love it. Some would say, I hope I'm not saying this incorrectly, but some would say sometimes women have to work harder. Than, than men because sometimes they're given privileges and it might be difficult for you to say that and it might just be my own belief but as you're a minority working in technology because it's a pretty male-dominated industry. Yeah. And, you know, I, uh, I, I haven't fortunately experienced a lot of uh, discrimination in my, mm -hmm. in my field. Um, I know women who have, mm -hmm. um, but I... You know, I just, I do my job. I, I try to do the best job I can. Yep. And, um, you know, you, you got to kind of focus there. And yeah. then, you know, and if situations do happen, then you, you, you know, you, you go about it the right way to help 
make the make the workplace a better place, I guess. But resiliency, yeah. You hit the nail on the head. I, I, I fundamentally believe it doesn't matter whether you're male or female. You should see straight past it. It's you're working with humans and you treat them as humans regardless as to whether they're female or male. It doesn't make any difference at all. Yeah. Next question. Advice to your 16-year-old self. 16? Yep. Okay. Advice that you would give your 16-year-old oh, self. Okay. All right. Advice. Yes. You know, I, I think I would, I would tell myself to be less afraid of, of trying those, you know, whether it's, you know, living abroad or, uh, you know, taking, you know, taking that job that you're not sure that you're qualified to do. I, I would, I would tell myself, take those risks, mm -hmm. take that leap of faith. That's what I would tell myself. Fantastic. Step out of your comfort zone. Yes. Be comfortable yeah. being out of your comfort zone to learn and to grow. Uh, now you're going to finish this sentence for me. Okay. AI will dot, 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 dot. AI is going to expand what we can do and what we can imagine is possible uh, beyond what we, we think it can. Is that coming from experience working with an AI or is that already built? It comes from experience working with AI. I think it's the experience um, because, you know, I remember, I remember years ago uh, when AI, the promise of AI and the, and then we started working with it and, and we all thought, Oh my God, this is gonna be amazing. And you know, it, all, all these things are going to happen. And then, and then it took time. Right. And now, and now that I can see what like Dynatrace can do, I, I think, oh my God, we've hit that point where the, it's going to start to explode. I think, I think we are going to progress. Yeah. It's the art of what's possible. It's a right. pendulum swing that went from this promised land of AI of self-driving cars and more time to do whatever, because the machine will do everything and it'll be smarter than a human to then coming back to the reality of actually where we are today is the AI can automate manual tasks so I can do more gray matter. I can use my gray matter to make a difference. Right. You know, and you know, maybe what's, what's going to happen is, is we probably haven't even considered or, you know, how could we apply our AI, right? Mm. You know, there's probably dozens or hundreds of problems that we haven't been able to solve. So, you know, what about cancer research or other types of medical research? You know, if we could take the AI and apply it to some of those problems, you know, how much further could we get, right? Mm -hmm. I've been reading that they think that the AI, scientists are really uh, debating like when will it become smarter than a human? And mm -hmm. a lot of people freak out and go, oh my God, that's the end of the world. But it's like the, the author is, this guy called Max Tegmark. He basically is taking people's theses on what they think, and then they're applying them to practicality of um, of the real world. And my dog agrees wholeheartedly with my story here. Um, but but fundamentally, they're, they're, no one's really in agreement as to what what it can do, when it will, it is it scary, is it not? And it's a really interesting debate. But if you think to, it, apparently the light bulb or electricity, I think it was electricity took two hundred years for us to figure out how to adapt it, how to use it. 
we're still in the very infancy of understanding how AI is going to help us and what we're going to do with it. Yeah, I think I think it's gonna be exciting, you know. And hopefully, it gives you uh, gives us finally gives us a little bit more time back to do the things that we want to do. And and to your point, cure cancer, right? That would be a natural first first step. And um, anyway, I'm fascinated on this. This is why I'm on a separate topic. I'm I'm going on a journey of interviewing very interesting people all around the world on a separate podcast just about AI. And and every day I read books about AI and what it's going to do for us and what it won't, and it's very very interesting. So it's very it's very good um, to have that conversation with you about where it's at and what we're doing, and what you think is possible. Yeah, you know, and, you know, I've read that uh, when you have people from different fields of study come together and they work on a project, um, because you because you know when you let's say you're you know let's say you're a computer scientist and you you've approached things a certain way and your colleagues have too so there's you have this kind of common culture right of what is and isn't possible so you bring somebody else in from a, di- a different field and they look at things differently because mm-hmm. of the tool sets that they're used to so so I'm just imagining you know how many different areas of expertise if they knew what AI could potentially do or I mean I just think the opportunities are are pretty pretty amazing yeah perspective you're touching on perspective and I can now almost say now it's like I've heard of teams that are they're less defined in their structure of the role because if the AI can give answers then people can bring different perspectives to a table and you don't all have to continue to trudge down one path you can actually broaden and go what if and then take the different opinions in which means a more transient uh job roles for people you're not pigeonholed anymore you know and i i find that to be true you know it's working as an architect i work i work with architects and middleware folks you know and i you know i don't know the middleware stuff anywhere near as well as them but but working together, you know, we're looking at Dynatrace and they're pointing things out and they're like, hey, let's add this dashboard and let's pull in our, our F5 data. And, and you know, it expands your horizons. And, and then you start to be able to, uh, you know, solve problems better because now you've been working closely with people that you might not normally work closely with. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I, I totally agree about that. I, I think the lines start to blur as to, you know, who should be solving what, you know, when, because you can come together and, and, you know. It's exciting. And you come back to the problem solving. It's naturally, if you're an inquisitive person, I think the realm of possibility is like mind blowing. Each day you would come to solve a different problem because there'll be different things and you'll learn. And this is, again, you can always see where you went with your story where it's like step out of your comfort zone. If you were to give advice to people who haven't yet tried Dynatrace and maybe were on the fence, what would you say to them? Oh, I take the leap. Um, it has so much to offer in terms of you being able to um, bring your team together and solve problems. Um, it gives you the opportunity to deep dive into your, your application, um, your, your infrastructure. Um, it, it, it helps you 
it helps you meet your users' uh, needs better. Um, you know, I, I could just, I could go on and on. Um, I, I don't want to be without it. That's what I'm trying to say. To do my job, um, Dynatrace helps me do my job better. And I know because of all of the cool features we have yet to implement, that it's going to continue to do so. And, um, and, and then eventually I will not be working these gobs of hours. I'd be able to sit back and go, thanks, Davis. Fantastic. Great. And I love it. it helps you bring teams together. That's another really important message that I think is critical because succeeding in the, in the cloud or succeeding in technology is definitely a team sport. You're not doing it on your own, regardless as to how big your team is. You're going to have to work together. Kaylee, thank you again for a wonderful chat. And I uh, look forward to hopefully connecting with you again uh, at not too distant future. Um, and thanks for being a great customer of ours. And thank you for everything that you do every day for people in the state of Minnesota. It's, uh, you're a treasure and only we could wish to have a replication or a duplication of you throughout every state department and federal department throughout the world. So uh, thank you for what you do every day. Very kind. Thank you.